anybody happy to be in church? Man, wow. It's so good to have you here. I know it's been summer. People have been traveling and been gone. And some of you, it's been a while. It's good to have you back. Some of you have been, you know, had so many things going on. Man, it's, how many of you are thankful when summer is over and routine begins? Thank you. That's all of you with ki- lots of kids are saying that. Well, today I want to uh, begin by just saying we're going to continue this series on the book of 1 Thessalonians. We took a couple weeks off because of uh, a guest and VBS, but we're going to continue on and finish it out this weekend and next weekend. How many have enjoyed learning about 1 Thessalonians and what Paul was saying to the church in Thessalonica? So I want you to do this today. I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to read our theme verse that comes from this book. Today we have people in our church family joining us from places like North Carolina, Mexico, Washington, Hawaii, Arizona, Higher Vision Santa Paula, Higher Vision San Diego, Blythe, all these campuses. Will you welcome all of your church family that's joining us around the country and around the world? Isn't that awesome? I love to do that every week. It's kind of that moment we all connect together. This is the theme verse that we've read, and we we kind of have looked at the entire book of Thessalonians through this lens. So I want everyone to read this together with me out loud. Those joining us online, why don't you stand and read it as well. Here we go. Ready? You have become to all the believers in Greece, and now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in Christ. What we've learned is that in this city in Thessalonica that was so morally corrupt, God raises up a church that was a model, that was an example of what authentic Christianity and authentic Christian leadership should be. And so we're going to continue with that today. I want you just to close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we welcome you and we say, have your way. Raise us up as the model, as the example. Lord, we want to be a light in a dark world. Lord, just even yesterday, we saw how dark, Lord, there are places in, in, in this country and in this world. And so we ask you today, bring your light in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. What I want to do today now is jump into chapter four of Thessalonians. And I want to say that We're not going to get to the very end of Thessalonians chapter 4, and that's okay because the end of chapter 4 really is, it's the same idea as what you find in chapter 5. So we're going to kind of lump that all together, and we're going to conclude this book next week. And I want to give you two thoughts now today that Paul is telling the church, and really what God is telling us as a church, that we're called to model, to be an example of authentic Christianity and authentic Christian leadership. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down point number one, and that is that God's saying, I want you to model purity. I want everyone to say that with me, model purity. Let's take a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. All right, I'm getting a little tongue-tied today. All right, here we go. Finally, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God. Let me stop. How many want to live in a way that pleases God? He says, live in a way that pleases God. Now watch what he says, as we've taught you. You've lived this way already, and we encourage you to do so even more. Paul basically says, listen guys, you have been the model. You've been the example of living a life that pleases God. And I want to say high five. 
but I want to say keep on doing it. And that's part of what God is saying in this series to us as a church is that we're to model Christianity and what that means. And we're living, many of us are living that way. Some of us are growing in that. And God's saying, not only have you done it, praise God for that, but keep on doing it. And then in chapter, verse 2, he says, so you remember what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. We're not just talking to you our thoughts, our ideas. This is from God. God's will is for you to be what? Holy. That was kind of weak. For you to be what? Holy. holy. We're going to talk about that word in just a minute. That's God's plan. God wants you to be holy. It's his will for you. So stay away from sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in what? Holy. Holiness and honor. Not in lustful passions like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. You see, it's interesting because the scripture tells us in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that God wants us to be holy as he is holy. He wants to live us, you know, us to live a life of holiness. The question then is, what does that mean? What is holiness? The word holy in the Greek there, it simply means pure or clean. So God's saying, I want you to live a life of purity and so if we need to be pure, then when Paul is talking about that, what does he mean? And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he hones in on an area that I think is so important and prevalent in the culture that we live in today. And that is sexual purity. The question then is, if God wants us to be sexually pure, uh, did you notice how quiet, like it just really got quiet when I said that word in church? When God wants us to be sexually pure, what does that mean? What is sexual purity in the day and culture we live in today? Well, I decided to go back to Paul's own words where he gives kind of a list of what sexual purity is. And you're going to see some other things in there and we'll talk about it. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 10. He says, don't you realize, listen, don't you get it? This is important, that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let me stop right there. How many want to inherit the kingdom of God? But here's what we think when we think of the kingdom of God. And this is true and this is right. That's going to heaven one day. One day we will experience the eternal kingdom of God. But did you know that Jesus, when he came to earth, he told his disciples to preach the kingdom of God is at hand. So God's saying, listen, not only do I want you to not miss out on heaven, I don't want you to miss out on my power and my kingdom in your life now. So what's going to cause us to miss out on God's best in our life today and even potentially cause us to miss heaven well, he goes on to explain. He says, don't you know the people who don't do the right things that they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or people that cheat others, none of them will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let me just stop by saying, first of all, when we talk about sexual sin or sexual purity, we tend to, in the church, we tend to like to categorize sin. Like some sin is way worse than others. But how many know that any sin will separate us from God? And what's kind of cool is in the middle of this passage, now he's emphasizing the area of sexuality, and we're going to talk about that, but yet in the middle of that is alcoholism. In the middle of that is people who just are dishonest and cheat other people. You did, you did your business deal and you know you didn't do it right. And sometimes we tend to classify. Did you know that sexual sin isn't even on the list of the top 
seven things that God hates the most? And sometimes we tend to think, well, oh, that area, well, that's the worst of the worst. But let me tell you something. Sin is sin. And here's the thing. We're all prone to live a lifestyle of sin. I mean, no, we all sin. Come on, you didn't raise your hand. You proved it. Everybody was like... So I want to say, as we talk about sexual purity today, understand that, that, listen, there are all kinds of areas that will hinder us. But what's intriguing is that in the, this list, God begins to identify an area that is very important for us to focus on. And in our culture, we've kind of started moving in a, in a way that I think is very dangerous. So Paul says, listen, you be, be careful here because you need to model. If, if the church does anything, they need to model holiness and holiness is sexual purity. So what are sexual sins or what are areas that we need to, to be careful of? If you go back uh, two slides, first one is sexual sin. This is a word and it's the word fornication. Fornication is a Greek word which means, it comes from the Greek word pornos, where we get our word pornography. And the idea here of sexual sin is that you're having a lifestyle of of sexual sin. And for an example, if you're not married and you're having sex with people, that's fornication. So there's a a lot there. Um, It also kind of covers other areas, but... Let's focus on that one for now. The other element to this this word sexual sin or fornication is that it's it's something you just continue doing. You live in a lifestyle. The next one that you you read is committing adultery. We all know what adultery is. That's sex outside of marriage. So if you're having sex with anyone besides your covenant partner that God's given you, that is sexual sin. It goes on to list others. Homosexuality, that's sex with the same gender. And how many know that the the gender thing has kind of become the new phase? I I heard the other day there are now 72 different genders. I'm like, I don't understand that. I thought there were two. (laughs) The idea here is sex with the same gender, that the Bible says is sexual sin. So what's interesting is Jesus even takes this farther because he says that, listen, sexual sin isn't just what you do. But did you know that if you just think and fantasize upon a woman that's not your wife, or you think or fantasize sexually towards someone else, that you've committed sin and you've committed adultery? That's why it's so dangerous, pornography. Did you know in our culture, somewhere around 50, 60% of people now view porn? Now, let me just stop and, and make something clear. Jesus isn't saying that when you have a a bad thought, you've sinned, because we all will have moments where we have a bad thought. I think what Jesus is saying is it's when you continue to dwell on that that thought, and you continue to fantasize on that thought, which probably eventually will lead to an action, but if you don't take the thought captive and try to move on, if you just let it stay in your mind and you keep dwelling on it, you see, that's the danger. And what Paul is telling us is that, listen, we need to live lives that are holy. We need to live lives that are pure. Now, I know as soon as I brought that up, some of you are like, man, why did I come this morning? God, God is just a killjoy. I mean, talk about a party pooper. Every party has a pooper. That's why we invited you. Party pooper. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. God just doesn't want me to have any fun. Maybe you're single and you're like, well, listen, I'm single and what I do won't hurt anyone. Or maybe you're married and you're, you know, porn's just become a part of your life. Well, you know what? It's just, 
It's not going to hurt anybody. It's just me. Why, why is it that God focuses so much on this area in Scripture? Why is he saying, listen, I want you to live a life that's holy. I want you to live a life that's pure. It's because God doesn't love us? No, let me tell you why I believe God's doing it. It's because God wants to protect you. It's because God loves you and he wants to protect you. We know that, that if you engage in a, a very pr- promiscuous lifestyle, there's all kinds of things that can happen. There's diseases. Don't worry, I'm not going to list them all. There's unplanned pregnancies. People end up being parents that aren't ready to be parents. Trust is destroyed. Jealousy develops. All kinds of things develop. You see, let, let me get, kind of give an example of, of, of a, a chemical and psychological uh, and emotional impact of a promiscuous life that we find. How many here have ever used duct tape? So we're like, are you talking about sexuality and duct tape? Because that's all wrong, Pastor Jared. This is the... <laughs> Someone told me after the first service, they said, Pastor, you had said, how many know we need to be sexually pure? And then I walked back and said, how many of you use duct tape? And they said, I almost laughed out loud. <laughs> how many know that duct tape is awesome? Come on. Someday, they're going to cure cancer with duct tape. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> duct tape rocks. So what do you do? Duct tape, you tear it off, Right? And it's sticky. And it sticks things together. I mean, you could build a house with duct tape. So what do you do? You, you stick it. And it sticks. You, you know, sometimes you take it off. But how many know that when you take it off, once you've stuck it the first time, once you unstick it, it's not quite as sticky as it was before. Right? But you could probably still use it. So you, you can use it again, maybe, if you need to. The right spot, you do. And then take it off and now it's not quite as sticky as it was before and the more you try to do it and the more you do it wrong by removing it the less it's able to stick did you know that in your brain is a is a chemical called oxytocin and oxytocin is a chemical that when you have sexual arousal it creates a bonding mechanism in your emotions so if you're In a marriage, in the way that God says that we're to have sex, and let me say sex is good, and all of those that are married said amen. Amen. Sex is good and it's fun. And every time you have sex, it releases a chemical to help you bond with your spouse. But if you decide to say, I'm going to just live a life of fornication, I'm going to live a promiscuous life and sleep with who I want to, every time you sleep with someone, you lose your stickiness. You erode and you scar the mechanism that's meant to help you stay connected in a godly, healthy relationship. Now, why am I saying this? Because God wants you to be holy and not to wear jeans like these. God wants you to be holy because he wants you to be able to be in healthy, strong relationships and he wants sex to be something that helps you and and makes you stronger in your relationship, not something that makes it more difficult. You see, God loves you. That's why he says, and and I mean, duct tape is not only cool for sticking, it's cool for throwing. You can like toss it at people. All right, thank you. Thank you, sorry. Didn't mean to hit you. Uh, Well, kind of. All right, okay. Let's go on to that last verse in Corinthians for this point. It's 1 Corinthians chapter six. Here's what Paul says. Verse 18. Run from sexual sin. Don't just turn. Run. 
And listen, we're all going to have temptation. It doesn't matter where you, who you are. We're all going to face it. But he says, run from it because no other sin is so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. See, God gave you your life, body, soul, and spirit to honor and glorify him. And when we get involved in impurity, we dishonor our bodies and we dishonor the Lord. And we, we end up putting ourselves in a position where we're not going to be as blessed and as holy. Now, some of you are like, well, Pastor Jerry, I don't know. I'm in trouble. I, I, I was very promiscuous before I got married. Does that mean I, I'm not going to stay married? No, God can heal and God can redeem. And there are things that he can do to restore. But I'm going to tell you, sometimes you have to work a little harder because of the things in our lives. And I want to tell you, God is out here today challenging and inspiring us to say, listen, don't live like the culture. In our culture, what's crazy is in the midst of such a push to, to, to stand against um, sex trafficking. Sex trafficking is the highest it's ever been in the history of our world. Pornography is more pervasive than, it, pervasive than it's ever been. We live in a culture that doesn't know holiness. And how many know if there were ever a time for us to arise and be a light in a dark world, it's that you and I are called to model purity. Come on, somebody say amen. Good preaching, Pastor Jared. Preaching. Where do I get that duct tape? Amen. Model purity. Now, here's the second part of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that we need to move into. Because the second thing that he goes on to talk about is this. He says we need to model hard work. Model hard work. Look what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 9. But we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other. For God himself has taught you to love one another. Let me just stop and say we're not going to focus on love today because we did that in the first week. We learned what it meant. Remember, we're to, a action is, we're to model action. Love, love, love is a verb. Some of you remember we talked about that. So we're going to move on. Since so I've taught you to love one another, and then now look what he says in verse 11. Make it your life, your, your goal in life to live a quiet life minding your own business. Maybe underline that one. Probably come back to that one. And what's the next word? Working with your hands. Just as we instructed you before. In fact, he said we modeled it to you. We came and we worked hard. We showed you how to have a good work ethic. Work hard. Work with your hands. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live and will not need to depend on others. You know, what's interesting is that Paul addresses this issue of hard work. And I want to talk to you for a minute about a good work ethic. You might say, well, Pastor, why are we talking about that in church? Well, it was important enough that God made it a part of the Scripture. And here's what happened in Thessalonica. In Thessalonica... They were all talking about, and we're going to talk about this next week, because at the end of chapter 4 and chapter 5, we learn about Jesus Christ's return. He talks about the rapture and things like this. So next week, we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus is coming again. Jesus is going to return. But what happened is in Thessalonica, people are like, well, Jesus is coming. If Jesus is coming, you know what? I need to quit working. See, he's going to be here any day. Why go to work? Why have a retirement? Jesus is coming. And people literally 
kind of develop almost a spiritual arrogance. If you're really spiritual, you don't need to work. How many know that lazy people can always come up with an excuse? Come on, lazy people. Paul is saying, listen, it's going to be easy. And I'm going to tell you, in the culture we live in, in our world, you know, well, the government's supposed to take care of me. We can come up with all these reasons. Now, obviously, there's legitimate times that we need support and we need help. But Paul says, listen, lazy people will always come up with an excuse. Let me show you. Proverbs 22, verse 13. The lazy person claims, there's a lion out there. And if I go out, I might get killed. Does this sound like your children when you're asking them to do a chore right here? <laughs> Lazy people always have an excuse. Your kids will always have an excuse of why they can't clean their room. My back hurts. If I go outside, I'll get heat stroke. <laughs> In fact, I found some things. This is funny. You know you're lazy when you say this. Why make my bed? when I'm just going to get back in it again. (laughs) You know you're lazy when the farther away the remote is, the more you like what is on TV already. (laughs) I don't like this show. Why are we watching this show? Where's the remote? You know, I always kind of thought, this is an interesting show. (laughs) I always wondered what hoarders look like. Because I don't want to get up and go get the remote. You know you're lazy when you get excited about canceled plans. (laughs) You know you're lazy when you drop an ice cube and you just kick it under the fridge. (laughs) And this one's my favorite. This is the lazy person... Lazy people fact. Lazy people fact number 347. You were too lazy to read that number. (laughs) You see, if we're not careful, we're going to raise up a generation. If we're not careful, we're going to buy into a mentality that, well, you know, I don't need to work that hard. It'll all work out. Someone's going to take care of me. Somehow things will be okay. Jesus is coming again, and we'll always have an excuse. And this is so important to God that He literally put it in the Bible. That you and I would go, wait a minute, I don't want to be lazy, and here's why. You see, God values hard work. God values hard work. In fact, there are some uninformed Christians who think that when the, the curse came, when they were kicked out of the garden, Adam and Eve, that part of the curse was work. Women had pain in childbirth, and men were cursed with work. But you know that that's not, that's not accurate. Because before they even were sent out of the garden, the Bible says that God placed man in the garden to work and tend his garden. God's plan for humanity from the very beginning was work. It's through work that you find fulfillment. It's through work that you use your gifts. It's through work that you build character. God gave us work, and then when the curse came, here's what he said. He said, now when you work, there's going to be thorns and thistles. You're going to have to clear some things out of the way. You're going to have to be more intentional. You're going to have to work a little harder. But work isn't the problem. God values hard work. In fact, did you know that in the Ten Commandments, God says we're supposed to work? So you're like, where's that? In fact, I thought God said that we're to honor the Sabbath day. Yes, he does. In Exodus chapter 20, here's what he says. This is literally the command. Honor the Sabbath day. Take a day of rest 
because six other days you will work. God values work. And why does he value work? I'll tell you why. This is my feeling. I believe it's simply this, and I believe I can back it up in scripture, scripture because laziness is contagious. Come on, just yawn and watch the whole room. <laughs> and what happens, we, if your kids are hanging out with someone that's lazy and disrespectful, what are you doing? You're like, I don't want you to hang out with them anymore. You're out of, they're out of here. Come on. I don't, want, I don't want them a part of your life. You're gone, girl. You're gone. I don't do a very good impersonation of that, but we, we know that laziness is contagious. In fact, it's so contagious that Paul, in the next letter that he writes to Thessalonia, uh, Thessalonica, he actually addresses it and is specific about it. Look at what he says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. Stay away from all believers who live lazy lives and don't follow the tradition they receive from us. Take note of those who refuse to obey what we say in this letter. Take note of those who are lazy, who don't work hard, and stay away from them. Stay away from them so they will be ashamed. Don't think of them as enemies, but warn them as you would a brother or a sister. Avoid lazy people because laziness is contagious. And what's interesting is Paul's not only doing this and saying this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because he's trying, you know, to address that he wants you to work hard and stay away from lazy people, but there's a double-edged sword. There's a double effect of laziness because here's what he's saying. Listen, if you're around lazy people, you'll become lazy, and if you become lazy, here's the, the thing that's going to happen now. The Bible says in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11, he says, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business. And he says, working with your hands. So if you kind of do it in reverse, what he's saying is, listen, you need to work with your hands because if you don't work with your hands, you're going to get caught in the trap of not minding your own business. In fact, I'll show it to you very clearly in 1 Timothy 5. The early church had started and there developed this problem. And here was the problem. There were people in need, and they needed to give money to help people in need. So as people were tithing, as people were giving, they started helping people in need. And the first people that they addressed were the widows. And as soon as the widows started getting help, you know, it was great and everything, but then Paul and the church began to realize there was a problem. Because they realized, people realized that they could work the system. And so he started going, wait a minute, well, we should help widows, but older widows, because younger widows can still work. And if we're not careful, if we let the younger widows get money and not have to work, watch what happens. And if they are on this list, they will learn to be right there. They'll learn to be lazy. And what happens when we become lazy? And we'll spend time gossiping from house to house, meddling in other people's business and think, talking about things they shouldn't. You see, the reason why Paul is giving us this information is not because he, he's trying to be mean. It's not that God is trying to be mean that you need to work hard. It's, once again, just like the purity issue. God is protecting you. Because he knows if you get lazy, suddenly you start to watch everybody else's Instagram. You know, I can tell as, a, as an employer, I, I, even though I'm a pastor, I'm still a boss. I have employees. 
And it's funny because to me, the ones that usually always know what everybody else is doing and is always complaining about what everybody else is doing are the ones that I have to stop and go, wait a minute, what are you doing? Because obviously you're not doing much because if you're busy, I mean, when you're busy, you don't care what your neighbor's up to. When you've got a lot going on and you're busy and you're doing the things you're called to do, suddenly you have some you know, time to take a break. You're not like caring about what everybody else does. You're not stalking everybody else. You're not caring about what, what they're doing next door or what they're doing across the street. Why? Because now you've got some free time. You want to take your Sabbath. You want to enjoy your time. And so what Paul is saying is, saying, listen, don't get, get caught up in this laziness and lack of work ethic because here's what you'll do. You'll start meddling in other people's business and that turns into gossip and gossip is on the list of those who do not inherit at the kingdom of God. Same as the adulterer. Somebody say ouch or amen, something. Well, Pastor Jared, it's obvious. The Bible says idle hands are the devil's workshop. Well, if you know the Bible, that's actually not in there. It doesn't say that. But that principle is proclaimed throughout Scripture. Because not only does God value hard work, God blesses hard work. See, it's not only God protecting you from getting caught into things that that are going to drive you into the, the wrong areas of life, into places you shouldn't be. But he's also there because he wants to bless you. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 13 verse 4, he says, lazy people will want much but get little, but those who work hard will what? Will what? How many want to prosper? God wants to bless you. God wants to prosper you. And the key to being prospered is for him to be able to protect you. And one of those is that we say, God, I want to live a life of holiness. I want to live a life of purity. Now, let me just say, we, we all are in process. We all have temptations. And, and God understands that. And that's why we have his grace. How many are thankful for his grace? But I don't want to be dominated by this world. I don't want to be dominated by this culture. I don't want to be pulled into things that are far away from God. I want to be the model. I want to be the example. I want to be a light in a dark world. How many would say amen to that? I want to go back to 1 Thessalonians, and I want to read that last part. Next week, we're going to dive into the end of chapter 4. But what's interesting, it says, when we do these things, when we model purity... When we're not like everybody else. When we say, I'm going to be pure in my my relationship. I'm going to be pure the way I talk. I'm going to be pure the way I act. I'm going to be pure about the way I think. I'm going to tell you, you'll be a light in your job. You'll be a light on your campus. Not only that, we say, I want to model hard work. I want to be the the employee that the boss wants to put my name on a plaque and give me a a parking spot in the front, employee of the month, because they just work so hard. They're never messing around and getting caught up in everybody else's drama. They're, They're living a quiet life. They're minding their own business, and they're getting their job done. Here's why. Because then people who are not believers will respect the way you live. In the time of Jesus, the Roman Empire controlled most of the world. The Roman Empire had this massive army of soldiers that would go throughout the world and protect the realm and conquer nations. 
And because soldiers were required to, to serve the Roman government, the, the Roman government created a law, and here was the law. And the, the Jewish people in, in the land of Israel hated this law. Because the way the law worked was that, that any Roman soldier could walk up to a Jewish man or woman as he's walking down the street and say, now carry my stuff. And according to the Jewish law, they had to carry their supplies at least one mile. They had to carry it one mile. And I don't know why the law was created, probably because soldiers didn't make that much money and there wasn't that much, you know, that uh, they're away from their families. And so the Roman government thought, hey, this is a great law just to help them out. When they're in a city, people can carry their supplies. And so they could walk up and the, the, the soldiers were known to do it. They'd walk up to a man or woman, they're like, carry my stuff. And the Jews hated it and they would grab the bag and the supplies and literally count every step, loathing that soldier cursing their name under their breath. And when they finally got to exactly one mile, they didn't take one step further. When they got to that one mile, they would throw it down and kind of curse and walk away. And then along comes, in that culture, Jesus. And here's what Jesus says. If anyone asks you to go a mile, don't go a mile. Go two. Be an example. If they ask for your coat, don't just give them your coat. Give them your shirt and your shoes. Keep your undies on, but give them the rest. <laughs> what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, listen, I'm looking for followers who will model hard work, who will go the extra mile. I know it's not easy to live sexually pure in such an impure culture. But I'm looking for people who will go the extra mile. I'm looking for people who will rise to the standard. People who will, who will shine a light in a dark world. God is looking for that so that the world will see him. It's through your modeling Christianity. It's through you modeling Christ in your life that people see Jesus. Did you know that some people may never see Jesus unless they see you. Because you're the only Jesus some will ever see. You're the only Bible some will ever read. So what do people see? What are you modeling? I don't know about you, but in the light of what happened, in the light of our culture, the church needs to rise up and be Jesus. How many would say amen to that? Now, I know there's some that are struggling. Maybe you're here and you're struggling with an addiction in that, the purity area. Did you know we have a group, a Conquer series going on right now to help people in our men's ministry that are working through, whether it's pornography or other things, to find freedom and walk that out. There's lots of ways that you can grow and find freedom. And in a moment, we're gonna pray together.